0: Phil Bryant and the Honorable Morris McTeague QSO.
1: America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable.
0: Good morning and welcome. It is Saturday. This weekend on America's Roundtable in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting and Supertalk Mississippi, we're delighted to be joined by a principal leader, Governor Phil Bryant, a distinguished guest host of America's Roundtable. Governor Phil Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020, and before becoming the state's chief executive, Phil Bryant was lieutenant governor, state auditor, and represented his legislative district in the Mississippi House of Representatives. Governor Phil Bryant began his career as a Deputy Sheriff in Hines County, and is a great proponent in strengthening America's constitutional principles, the rule of law, and standing firm for the significance of life and liberty. Welcome, and a good morning to you, Governor Bryant. Welcome, Governor
2: Bryant. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Saturday morning to everyone. Natasha Joel, it's been a while, so it's so good to see you, and, and good to talk to people all across America at America's
0: Roundtable. Thank you very much, sir. A published report stated that the U.S. Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision of 1973 ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. And on March 19, 2018, you, Governor Phil Bryan, signed the Gestational Age Act, HB 1510, into law. This bill was introduced by Mississippi Representative Becky Curry, a registered nurse, and the bill received bipartisan support in both chambers of the legislature. And the Wall Street Journal wrote, and I quote, the ability to obtain an abortion would not disappear across the U.S. It might in some states, but in some of the states, there are already relatively few clinics that perform abortions. The likeliest result is a multiplicity of laws depending upon how the debate and elections go. California might allow abortion until the moment of birth. Mississippi might ban it, except in cases of rape or incest. This is how the American system is supposed to work, as the late Justice Antonin Scalia often wrote. After a series of elections, abortion law will sort out itself democratically. That had started to happen before the Supreme Court intervened in Roe embittering the abortion debate and damaging the court. In Dobbs, the court can say that such a profound moral question should be decided by the people and not by nine unelected judges, unquote, the Wall Street Journal editorial board. Governor Bryant Could you take us through this process, the journey which began in the great state of Mississippi, and how this important court case, now being deliberated in our nation's highest court, may bring about a historic change in our nation and elevate this profound moral question so that it would be decided by the people and not by nine unelected judges?
2: Absolutely. And I think Judge Alito um, brilliantly identified this as a state's rights issue. One of the many issues involved in this Dobbs versus the Jackson Women's Health, I think there's uh, also the question of viability. And so, as a, as we saw in previous cases uh, in Casey, the Supreme Court said that states could not could not make it illegal for an abortion uh, uh, and up until the point of viability. So, when is viability? We in the state of Mississippi believe it starts very early. Six weeks, even before, we believe that conception life begins with the involvement of, uh, of our God that we have faith in, even in the most trying of circumstances of birth, it is not that baby's fault. So we began many years ago when I was lieutenant governor, beginning an effort here in Mississippi, and I think joined by many other states, Texas, Alabama come to mind, of trying to protect the unborn. Of trying to give that child that life, the, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and, and, and I think just now with the Dobbs case, you see those uh, judges on the Mississippi Supreme Court—Judge Alito, Barrett, Gorges, uh, Kavanaugh, Thomas—all believe that we were correct that that in fact that fetus is alive at 15 weeks. There is potential for viability there, and we must protect the constitutional rights. Also. If you look at, at, at Judge DeLito's writing, he, he says uh, that, that the Roe case was egregiously wrong from the start. We all knew that. Now, now it, it excites me when I see that we have been saying this for 40 years, that there was no, and I taught American government, and I know the Constitution, there's no constitutional right to an abortion. It simply was not uh, mentioned. It was not anticipated by the founding fathers. There's no underlying basis at all uh, in the Constitution for an abortion. It was made up of whole cloth uh, by a very liberal court uh, that was receiving a great deal of public pressure. As this court is now, the leaking of this opinion is just a horrible condition that we understand was by the liberal Uh, establishment within the United States Supreme Court. The liberals that were there did this for one purpose uh, only and to put pressure on the United States Supreme Court to bring pressure to bear on one or more of those judges and hope that they might change the vote on this critical opinion. And and now we see they're uh, they're at the uh, the front doors of these Supreme Court justices. They're threatening ballots. I heard this morning that there's any number of law enforcement uh, organizations preparing themselves for violence across the United States. Well, that occurred last summer. So as we see Antifa and Black Lives Matter, are any number of deaths and injuries that were caused by those. But now what do we see? Well, they're preparing for violence, they say, in the event that somehow there are white supremacists involved in this. I cannot make that connection. I do not understand how they somehow think that white supremacy is a part of us trying to defend uh, the unborn, but it's always now race. Everything is now race. Mississippi said simply, the states have the right, as they always do in many other cases, those those powers not specifically given to the federal government rest in the states. I think you're going to see this opinion in Dobbs reinforce that. Now, the media will say, and and one of the liberal medias here in Mississippi, the first line of their report is this would end abortion in America. That is simply not true. It, It will hopefully end abortion in Mississippi, maybe Alabama, Texas, other states that believe based on the democratic system of government, our voters, the people who are sovereign, telling us they want to end and restrict abortions, and we are listening to them in this republic form of government, then they say it will end it. Uh, It will give the authority to the states to decide, and people can either travel to those states or or, or decide to live in those states where abortion will be available. And and that's exactly what the Tenth Amendment said those rights not specifically given for interpretation to the federal government belong to the states. This opinion will return, Dodge will return that to the states, and each one of them, through the democratic process, will be able to make that decision about abortion.
0: And as you've just mentioned rightfully, that it appears that the radical left is trying to make this a sort of racial issue. And recently a report stated the release of the opinion led to demonstrations at the Supreme Court, and that's we're talking about the leak, and at the homes of several conservative justices promoting the erection of an eight-foot high fence outside the court and increased security around the justices themselves. And Justice Clarence Thomas lamented those protests and argued that conservatives don't engage in such tactics, unquote. And recently, when talking about the dramatic changes we have seen in America, and as you've rightfully alluded to, the summer of 2020, when we saw these riots take place all across America, and then Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas said this past week, and I quote, you would never visit supreme court justices houses when things didn't go our way we didn't throw temper tantrums it is incumbent on us to always act appropriately and not to repay tit-for-tat unquote. And Governor Bryant, what is your assessment when you see this here in the sense that the rule of law is being undermined with these tactics of the leak that we've just noticed? And actually, the Wall Street Journal uh, mentioned a statement that the pattern of preemptive leaks of draft opinions would destroy the court. Where do we go from here? And what should be our advice to a new generation of Americans coming up on the importance of the rule of law?
2: Well, I think, unfortunately, it's going to get worse before it gets better. The foundations that this democracy, this great republic rests upon, are being eroded. The rule of law, it it barely exists today. As we said, look at all the rioters, the looters, and, and just this week, you see more breaking into stores, stealing goods, no one, no DAs, uh, prosecutors, are saying we actually want to arrest people that are doing that in certain jurisdictions in America. You have uh, news agencies that are reporting as, as buildings are being burned in the background saying these are peaceful protests. So we have to realize, we, we must admit that the rule of law has broken down. It, it barely exists in today's America. The universities that used to be hallowed halls of learning, where uh, opinions could be expressed both left and right and center and, and cherished freedom of speech are now gone. They are literally spending all of their fi- time trying to define pronouns. What name, what word can we particularly use? For, forget about discussions of the Constitution and civil liberties. No, those are now gone. Uh, the media. There is no reporting in the media that anyone can trust. Almost universally, I, I, I can't read anything on my iPhone and say I can base an opinion on that. I know that to be true. So I can react to my elected officials one way or the other based on what I'm reading in the media uh, related to laws, criminal justice, uh, legislation, because I don't know that it, it, that it is true anymore. So that is completely gone. Inflation will begin to put fear, and already is, into the hearts of America. I have four grandchildren. The youngest is one year old. Thank goodness she is into more solid foods and not baby formula. Where in our world did we ever believe that American families would not be able to purchase baby formula? This is not World War II. This is not the Civil War. But hyperinflation is coming at us uh, like a cannonball. And it is going to do great destruction. I just filled my truck up and I could only buy a hundred dollars worth of gasoline, which didn't fill it up because the pump stops at hundred dollars. Th- these are serious, frightening conditions that we're in store shelves, uh, barren of certain goods, families that are deciding whether they can buy meat products anymore or dairy products. Uh, And and it's not going to get any better. Joe, I wish I could come on and say there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is a cave in at the end of this tunnel. And it is going to mean that Americans and and I hope that this generation, 30 something generation, is prepared to get out of the train and start trying to clear away the boulders that blocked uh, the sunlight and the oxygen and the energy that America has always depended on it will get much worse. The borders are wide open.
1: The situation with the southern border is getting worse. Uh, The US Customs and Border Protection encountered more than 234,000 illegal migrants in April, which is the highest monthly total in more than 20 years. This is over 55,000 of illegal migrants more compared to April last year and 217,000 more than in April 2020 during the Trump administration. In April 2020, there were just 17,000 illegal immigrants encountered. Homeland Security released over 100,000 illegal immigrants caught at the border in April. Since September 2021, there have been 6,000 criminal non-citizens arrests by U.S. Border Patrol, which refers to individuals who have been convicted of one or more crimes, whether in the United States or abroad. And since Joe Biden took office, 42 people on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended, attempting to enter the United States through our southern border illegally. Governor Bryan, what is your assessment of this national security crisis on the U.S. southern border?
2: I think it is just that. It is a national security crisis that will, uh, again, threaten the foundations of America. It gets worse than that. When they do away with Title 42, which says you cannot come into this country if you've been into a nation where there's communicable disease. So if you and I went to Africa, we might have to stay there for weeks or months until we can prove we don't have a communicable disease. This administration is about, say, do away with Title 42. So more can pour in. This will not stop. No one's going to stop it. No one's going to slow it down. ICE is doing all they can in the Border Patrol. I was down on the border with the Mississippi National Guard several years ago in helicopters on the Rio Grande and boats. I saw what was happening there. And now it is wide open and for a purpose, because now they, they are putting these illegals on airplanes and flying them into districts that are very closely held by Democratic congressmen and congresswomen. So you're moving voters into areas where local mayors and in blue states, governors and secretary of states will allow them to vote and so that they will make the very difference. They hope the Democratic Party hopes by by importing these illegal voters that they might be able to maintain the authority they have in a democratically held country. Just think about that. So I am shipping in criminals i'm i'm allowing drugs to flow into america fentanyl and other drugs right now is causing more deaths between 21 and 30 year olds than anything else now, it's not covid 21 to 30 year olds are dying of drug overdoses this administration knows that they know that that drugs that communicable diseases that criminals that terrorists are coming across that border and they say we know and we don't care our goal is to move them into states, into congressional districts that where we need them, illegally allow them to vote so that we can reelect a Democratic congressman. And nobody's going to do anything about it. Nobody's going to stop it. They don't care. So I, as I tell Americans, you need to prepare yourself for that. You need to prepare yourself that this is going to get worse, that if you are white, and you own uh, firearms, legally own firearms, and you are Republican and you supported Donald Trump, you are now being identified as a domestic terrorist. I'm not saying that to rile anyone up or to get in. That, that is the fact. The president of the United States said that MAGA, as he identifies MAGA voters in the Republican Party, are the most dangerous political organization ever known to man. In the United States, not the Communist Party, not uh, terrorists, uh, us, those of us that voted for Donald Trump. And so what do you do with terrorists once you've identified them? Well, you have to then investigate them. You have to find probable cause to arrest them and hold them. And and our federal government is saying that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, The House of Representatives, I believe, just passed along party lines and do you all that would give all federal agencies the ability to identify and, I guess, therefore prosecute what they're saying are domestic terrorists, which would be, again, anyone white. Yeah, I don't think you have to be white. I think you have to be a, a, an individual that supported Donald Trump, that maybe owns guns and goes to church on Sundays, that identifies yourself for male or female and believes in that. And I think you, you will be identif- identified as domestic terrorists. This is going to get worse and worse, and it's by design. It is exactly what this administration, this government, wants to happen. They don't deny and say, oh, no, no, that's not what we want. Every day they're saying that's exactly what we intend on doing. And so we will hope that somewhere our judicial system, our law enforcement, our military will stay intact until the midterms, when I believe you'll see a tremendous sweep of Republicans into the House of Representatives. And it is our only hope. November is America's, as Ronald Reagan said, the last best hope for society.
0: Indeed, uh, as you've just quoted uh, the important statement from President Ronald Reagan, We truly appreciated his strong support of peace through strength. And what we are seeing today, and we've talked about this over the course of the past few years, and I remember you speaking about this even in Jerusalem uh, at the Jerusalem Leaders Summit about the importance of peace through strength and the importance of trade amongst countries that respect and and appreciate America. And uh, this past week, the U.S. Senate uh, passed that $40 billion Ukraine bill Uh, that a number of our fellow Americans are a bit concerned about Governor Bryant. In fact, it's $40 billion without much accountability or actually oversight, which uh, Senator Paul has talked about. And Senator Josh Hawley just relayed this statement, and I quote, Spending $40 billion on Ukraine aid, more than three times what all of Europe has spent combined, is not in America's interest. It neglects priorities at home. The border, as we just talked about, allows Europe to freeload, shortchange critical interests abroad, and comes with no meaningful oversight. That's not isolationism. That's nationalism. It's about prioritizing American security and American interests, unquote. And in fact, uh, Governor Brian you and I and Natasha Sardorch have talked about the important role America has to support our European allies, and we do so. Uh, We are certainly against Putin, his aggression uh, in invading a sovereign state. Uh, But at the same time, we know that America is really carrying the heavy burden Uh, of the $1.2 trillion NATO spending in 2021. American and American taxpayers paid for more than 70% of the total. I remember President Trump challenging European leaders by saying, you need to pay your fair share. Governor Bryant, what is your message to Europe's leaders today? And uh, there is a a discussion that we're having that is trying to say it may be time for NATO to increase that military expenditures of nations of member states from 2% to 3% and America is basically spending about 3.5 3.7% in military expenditures as a percentage of GDP. So what is your message to NATO members in Europe and the importance of perhaps paying their fair share? That's exactly
2: right. As we hear this administration again talk about corporations in America paying their fair share. And now, now, we're not opposed to that. But once you can identify what that fair share is, everyone, I pay my taxes, pay a lot of taxes, you do, so they should. But shouldn't NATO countries pay their fair share? If it's good for corporations in America, and the president says that almost every day, corporations need to pay their fair share, Go to Europe and say the same thing at the European Union. Stand there on the floor and say, pay your fair share. Not not to leave this bird with America. And our debt is growing so out of control again. Now we're going to see hyperinflation because of the trillions of dollars that we're pouring into one social program, one relief package after the next. And now, again, Joe, you remember, I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong about this. before this nation was invaded. All we heard was Ukraine was corrupt. You remember the corrupt administration in Ukraine, the oligarchs in Ukraine. There was some discussion about even members of the president's family. Russia had helped corrupt. And all we knew was this corrupt country of Ukraine. No. All of a sudden, it's the 51st state. Russia brought this on. But you have to make a decision. And we saw this in Afghanistan with that debacle. Are we going to war with Russia? You can't dip your toe into this conflict as we keep trying to do. I noticed today Finland and Sweden are coming in. Now, the president now sat in Rose Garden with representatives Finland and Sweden. They're wonderful. As a child, we look at NATO as that stabilizing force uh, in Europe. So we'd never have another war in Europe. And now, will they do that? Is NATO prepared to go to war? If Vladimir Putin, who we constantly hear in the media, is unhinged and angry and perhaps has deep psychological issues, if he use a tactical nuclear weapon tomorrow, he doesn't have to put a nuclear hydrogen bomb in Brussels, but a battlefield nuclear weapon. If he uses that tomorrow, will NATO declare war? And if so, will America follow? And then how will we feel about that? What does that look like? An escalation far beyond anything that we ever can imagine. My dad was a veteran of World War II and fought in the South Pacific. I vividly remember his discussion of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs. And we grew up understanding what that did and how it just shook. The world, that all of a sudden we had an atomic bomb, and not only that, America had used it twice on the people of Japan. We had to because my father, like many others, would have had to go ashore, and we would have had a million American servicemen lost. So he was very thankful, being an OCB, that he didn't have to hit the shores with the Marines uh, in Okinawa in Japan. Are we prepared to see another nuclear war? That's the first question the president needs to set down in the Situation room and say, ladies and gentlemen, of my cabinet, military leaders, are we prepared to go to nuclear war with Russia? A- and America needs to ask themselves that because that's exactly where this is leading. If not, then why are we not sitting at the table with representatives of Russia on a daily, hourly, weekly basis trying to find a resolution to this? But we're rattling swords. I heard the president say this morning, let me be clear. There is no doubt. We are standing with you praying. What does that mean? Frightening times.
1: Right. Actually, it was avoidable i mean if trump Ford. was in power probably we wouldn't have been here today yeah, and all the money spent all you know resources that have been poured into this conflict from our side from european side should have been also spared if we just had a very strong word a strong leader at the beginning i mean peace through strength we lost it actually this is very unfortunate
2: we did and you're right we knew russia was gathering on the border we knew they were bringing in medical personnel, including all uh, of the triage systems that they would need. We knew this. And we sat and said, we're going to send a very strongly worded letter to Vladimir and see if we can't turn this around. This is not the only area. If you look at what's going on in China now North Korea and the relationship developing there and Taiwan now, now we're going to have to arm Taiwan what is that going to cost and what's the end result now again where are we we're in Taiwan and we're in Ukraine and in Europe we haven't seen this
1: right but it's also a preview of nuclear Iran absolutely and how people don't see that I mean how this administration doesn't see it I mean if they see how difficult it is to get involved with Russia because of nuclear weapons that they have how will it be if Iran gets nuclear weapon,
2: we are uh, on the precipice of a world changing event and we are ill prepared uh, to stand for that. If you look at the road that we are headed down, Taiwan, Ukraine, nuclear, nuclear war, hyperinflation here. And, and if you think energy prices are high, try doing without it. Wait until they say there's not enough gasoline and diesel. And then see the panic. At that time, a nuclear weapon uh, happens to be used by one of those powers. Disaster.
0: Governor Bright, what is your message to motivate our fellow Americans to stand up for these constitutional principles and to be able to reclaim America, restore America's energy independence and and restore America's greatness?
2: I think we're going to have to stand together, and particularly in November. Uh, if you've never voted, please go register. I want everyone to vote legally and, and only one time. But we have to send such a strong message in November for that the Republicans can uh, retake hopefully the House and Senate. It is the last best hope, as I said, of America, and it can be done. I would ask them to pray. Go to your churches, not just on an Easter and on Christmas, but go and pray. I was just uh, reading a book on President Grant by Brett Baer, and how President Grant intervened into this nation at, at, at the point several times, at the point where this country was near collapse and it's civil war. We need that type of leadership. And as a, a son of the South of Mississippi, I will say, oh, for a Ulysses S. Grant, oh, that we had that type of leadership that knew he had to make very difficult decisions to save the nation. Uh, We look and pray for that leadership in the
0: future. Governor Phil Bryant, we thank you so much for joining us on America's Roundtable and for your continued leadership on the vital issues of our day. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you, Governor Bryant.
0: Thank you, and God bless America. Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO.
1: America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.